Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu murieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tu, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. So, dear friends, since we are in the month of May, the month dedicated to Mary Immaculate and to all mothers, we chose as a topic for today's talk, Holiness for Women, a little like Martha and a lot like Mary. Let's begin our reflection with a prayer. You know that we are praying the Regina Chaley, the Queen of Heaven prayer, three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. And we're praying with a specific intention of returning to church for Mass and Holy Communion before the end of the Easter season and the Pentecost octave, at the end of the first week of June. So please, God. Remember that the Regina Chaley prayer comes from a vision of angels seen by Pope St. Gregory the Great while he was leading a prayer procession through the streets of Rome during a time of pandemic at the end of the sixth century. So. Let us pray the Regina Chaley prayer now and every day with our spiritual health in mind. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Queen of Heaven, rejoice, Alleluia. For he whom thou didst merit to bear, Alleluia, has risen as he said, Alleluia. Pray for us to God, Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, Alleluia. For the Lord is truly risen, Alleluia. Let us pray, O God, who gave joy to the world through the resurrection of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Grant to beseech thee that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, his mother, we may obtain the joys of everlasting life. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us for every course to thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear friends, in these sad times of social isolation, we need to be even more spiritually aware of what it means to be members of God's family in the communion of the saints. The communion of saints means that we have the enormous benefit of relying on the prayers and the spiritual support of so many angels and saints in heaven and of so many fellow Catholics here on earth. But it works both ways. The communion of saints also means our spiritual responsibility for one another. We are often called to serve God's plan as an instrument of grace for someone. God wants to use us for his own purpose. Now, we may not be called to be street preachers nor online evangelists, no. But each one of us is called to be outgoing, to be outgoing in our words and actions. We should bring the truth and the charity of Christ to our neighbor by our daily example. So whether you are a wife and mother, or whether you are a single woman living in the world, perhaps you are a godmother you're an aunt, you're an older sister, or a cousin, a teacher. No matter who you might be, you are all called to be a missionary in the places and circumstances with the individual people 
whom divine providence places you near each day. Your own way of being a missionary is very important. Don't overlook that. Don't underestimate that. Don't think that you are not concerned. Yes, indeed, make no mistake about it. God wants you. Yes, you. God wants to use you to help bring souls to heaven, especially in these desperate days in which we live. Today's health crisis is a spiritual wake-up call. People are shaken out of their comfort zones, and they're looking around for answers and for help. We must be spiritually ready to be God's instruments, to be instruments for reaching these souls and uplifting them. If you take seriously your role as a Catholic woman in today's world, not only will you be able to do a lot of good, which you had never thought possible, but also you will find a renewed purpose, fulfillment, and joy in your life. So, let's get to it. To be an active member of the Communion of Saints, to be an apostle to others, we must first begin with the basics within ourselves. Holiness starts at home. Our patron saint, St. Francis de Sales, he reminds us that sanctity is to be found in constant fidelity. Fidelity to the duties of our state of life. And those duties must be accomplished with extraordinary love of God. That's what sanctity is for us. Doing our daily duties and doing them with great love. And hopefully greater love with each passing day. So let's ask ourselves, what kind of example are we setting for the people around us? What kind of example are we giving to the little ones? Are the children picking up on our bad habits? How are we encouraging the young adults in our lives to do the right thing? Are we being a good role model to our godchildren? to our, our nieces and nephews, to our students, and to the men in our lives. How are we showing those men the support, support which they need? How are we showing those men support which is faithful, gentle, and patient? Indeed, women need models of sanctity, models to imitate in the hearths homes, and workplaces. So today, let us reflect on the lives of two holy sisters who lived in the world. Two holy sisters, Saint Martha and Saint Mary Magdalene. Martha and Mary, they can teach us lessons in the sanctity, which is the basis for our own missionary activity. And in referring to Martha and Mary, we can also refer to Jesus' gospel parable about the Pharisee and the publican tax collector, in which Jesus said, The person who humbles himself shall be exalted. St. John, his gospel, tells us that Mary and Martha were two sisters who welcomed Jesus into their home in Bethany. Wow, 
Imagine that you have to welcome Jesus. He's coming into your home. What a lot of preparation that would be. The two ways in which Martha and Mary welcome Jesus, these two different ways are a good lesson for us today. We know that Mary Magdalene had been a woman of bad life. But, like the publican in Jesus' parable, Mary humbled herself. She humbled herself in repentance. Mary Magdalene washed the feet of Jesus. She dried them with her hair. And this was a sign of her contrition. Remember, they who humble themselves shall be exalted. And because of her humility, Mary was rewarded with a special place close to Jesus. Magdalene sat at his feet and she listened to Jesus' words. What delightful holy conversation they must have had together. Magdalene and Jesus. However, Mary's sister Martha, Martha took offense at this. And Martha spoke to Jesus in a rather huffy voice, saying, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me all by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. Now, this remark reveals a certain pride in Martha, a certain pride which is somewhat similar to the pride of the Pharisee in the parable. Like the Pharisee, Martha implicitly attributes more importance to human deeds rather than to prayer. Like the Pharisee, Martha compares herself to her neighbor in a prideful way. Now, Martha was certainly a good woman. Martha was no proud Pharisee. However, on this occasion, Martha shows a pride which is much more subtle and therefore more dangerous. A certain pride that we must all be careful of. Jesus answers Martha with a smile on his lips, the gentleness of patience in his voice, because he wants to prepare Martha's heart for humble repentance. Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about so many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it shall not be taken away from her. Jesus' words to Martha. Now, this gospel scene was very dear to St. Francis de Sales. And he writes, If Martha had been simply careful, she would not have been troubled. But Martha gave way to disquiet and anxiety. And thus, Martha grew over-eager and troubled. And for that, our Lord corrected her. Our saint then goes on to tell us, Therefore, be careful and diligent in all your affairs. God entrusts them to you. God wants you to give them your best attention. But try not to be anxious and apprehensive. That is to say, do not go about your work with anxious restlessness and excitement 
and do not give way to hurry and eagerness in what you do. Every form of excitement affects both judgment and reason, and it hinders a right performance of the very thing which excites us. Words of wisdom from St. Francis de Sales. And so, dear friends, like Martha, we must be diligent in our duties. We must be hardworking in our tasks. Yes. Just as it would have been a fault for Martha to omit hospitality toward Jesus, we also would be at fault for neglecting our household chores and for not giving our best in the workplace. But the key here is how we do our work. What matters is the manner, the spirit with which we perform our daily duties. St. Francis de Sales tells us that people who are, uh, who are hurrying about, people who hurry with tormented anxiety and solicitude, they never accomplish much, nor do they do anything well. So we must patiently patiently work our hardest, but without getting upset with ourselves because of our limitations and without getting upset with others as well. We must be courageous in doing one thing at a time, but without giving in to anxiety because we are so far behind. Even in our multitasking, we must not be in a hurry, no but rather, let's make haste slowly. Make haste slowly. We must take care of details, yes, but not in a perfectionist way. Simply do your best, and God will take care of the rest. Rely more upon God's grace and less upon yourself. This is humility in action. Pride makes us perfectionist. Pride makes us flustered and frenzied in our own self-importance. And perfectionist people actually really don't do much ever very well. Humility begins with a calm sense of courage and determination because we trust more in God's help than in our own energy. We trust more in God than in our often mediocre efforts. And to her credit, St. Martha, she learned this lesson in humility. It took her years, but she learned those lessons. And the Roman Breviary tells us that Martha's later years were lived in great sanctity and charity. She had learned her lesson. It took time. That's consoling for all of us, that it also will take a whole lifetime for us to become the saints that God is calling us to be. So let's never be discouraged. Let us pray to St. Martha, and let us also benefit from the lessons she can teach us. She learned to become more like her sister Mary, whom Jesus said had chosen the better part. One thing alone is necessary. Only God really matters. All else is passing. 
Everything is vanity except what's for eternity. One ounce of prayer with God, just one ounce of prayer, is worth much more than a whole pound of human activity. Now, it is important to understand that there is no contradiction here between the two attitudes. Two attitudes, listening to the word of the Lord, contemplation, like Mary, Magdalene, and the practical service to others, like Martha. These are not two opposing attitudes, no, but on the contrary, both are essential aspects to our Christian life. Aspects which should never be separated, but lived in profound unity and harmony. This means, dear friends, that we must live each day a little like Mary and a little like Martha. Or, I would even dare to say, let's be a little like Martha and a lot like Mary. Because Mary, she chose the better part, our Lord tells us. A little like Martha and a lot like Mary. Daily prayer will give us the strength, the courage, the patience to serve and to help others. If you are failing in your daily work, perhaps it's because you have first failed to pray. Did you make morning prayer that day? Did you pause at noontime to say the Regina Chaley? or the Angelus prayer outside of Easter time? Did you stop for a moment to look at the picture or the statue in your home and to say a prayerful aspiration, just a, a few words, a little SOS to heaven? If you're having a bad day, ask yourself, am I being too much like Martha and too little like Mary? We need to find the right balance in our lives. And since we all have different duties and different ways of life, that balance will be somewhat different for each one. And it is up to each one of us to prayerfully discern what that balance should be. And perhaps advice from a husband or from someone else in our life can help us to see what that balance should be. And, most especially, we must all take time out, take time out each day to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary Magdalene, no matter how busy we might be. Let's have a favorite place in our home which becomes a spiritual center of gravity, just like the tabernacle is in our church building. That spiritual center of gravity in your home can perhaps be the image of the Sacred Heart, enthroned in a prominent place of honor. Or perhaps that tabernacle can be a statue or an image in a corner in your room, a corner where it's quiet and conducive so that you can gather your thoughts in a little solitude time to time throughout the day. We all need a particular place where we can like Mary, sit at the feet of Jesus and spend some time listening and talking with Jesus. We need to find the time, perhaps, also to listen to an audiobook 
or to listen to some Gregorian chant. You can bring such good listening resources with you even in the car, for example. We must find a way to sit at the feet of Jesus, spiritually like Mary Magdalene. Let's make a little spiritual strategy for ourselves. Plan a practical way in which, like Mary Magdalene, you can have that prayerful conversation at the feet of Jesus each day. There is where you will find the peace, the consolation, and the strength you need to keep on going. Prayer and action are not opposed to one another. No, but prayer and action are like two sisters, Martha and Mary. Prayer and work go hand in hand. Although prayer is the priority, like Mary who chose the better part. So pray a little while you work, and you will make your work a prayer. Make your prayer into a beautiful work for God. Your prayer is actually the most important work you do in your day. Work for God, for His glory, and work for the sanctification of the souls around you, beginning with your own soul. Overemphasis on human action shows that, like Martha and the Pharisee, we rely more upon ourselves than upon the Almighty God. But when we humble ourselves in prayer, when we take the time out to sit prayerfully at the feet of Jesus, to converse with Him, like Mary Magdalene, then God takes our human actions to a higher new level. And God makes up for our human deficiencies by the almighty power of his grace when we pray. Try and you will see. When you pray, you will see God at work to make up for your deficiencies, to carry you beyond your limits, to accomplish good and beautiful things. But it all begins with that priority of prayer. You must be like Mary, who chose the better part. When we have understood this balance of prayer and action, which Mary and Martha can teach us, then we can be effective members of the communion of saints in today's world. We can, in our own personal way, bring the truth and the charity of Christ to our world of today in our words and actions. Jesus speaks of this important role of apostles in a parable which describes a scene which is familiar to us and to which we can all relate. In the gospel, Jesus speaks of a woman baking in the kitchen. And since actually I find myself right now in a kitchen, that's right, this is not a television studio, no, but with our own humble efforts and means, we have turned this kitchen into a studio so that we can bring you the spiritual sustenance that you need. And right next to me is the chapel in which our Lord is present there in the tabernacle. So let us think in a spiritual reflection a little bit more about being in a kitchen. Because Jesus himself, he spoke in the gospel of a woman baking in the kitchen, a woman who's baking to uh, mix yeast with three measures of flour. And the yeast, um, thoroughly mixed, 
in with the dough eventually makes the dough rise. And at last, in good time, there is delicious bread for the whole household. Remember that image? Jesus is using it to teach us about what our role as missionaries is to be, as active members of the communion of saints. We are baptized members of the Catholic Church, the kingdom of God here on earth. And we are called to be the spiritual yeast which makes the dough to rise up into good bread. The kingdom of God must be built up by virtuous lives and good example. And this means that through our words and actions, we are called to feed others, to feed them spiritually. We must spiritually feed the people we meet each day. We must edify, we must nourish a world which is spiritually hungry and nourish it with the bread of Christian truth and charity. So let's roll up our sleeves a little bit here in this kitchen and let's get to work. There are many good things to cook up in the kitchen of our soul. So where will we find a recipe for spiritual success? Let's begin with salt. You know, salt was a very precious product in the ancient world. Salt gives good flavor. Salt preserves food for a long time. Salt was even used as money by some peoples. So because of its importance, salt became a Christian symbol for divine truth. Jesus called his apostles the salt of the earth. You'll remember that in the traditional rite of baptism, the priest exercises and blesses salt, which is then placed on the child's lips. As he says, receive this salt, which is a symbol of wisdom. We live in a world which is often tasteless and bland. Self-seeking pleasure does not satisfy our taste for happiness. Our world lacks the good flavor and the wisdom of heavenly salt. So in our conversations, we should be ready to add a little pinch of spiritual salt when there is a good chance that a good word will help to edify our neighbor. We can discreetly give advice to a coworker or a colleague who hesitates about doing the right thing. But we can patiently give instruction to a young person who does not know any better. Give a little spiritual salt. We can steer the conversation away from unhealthy subjects. We can speak about topics which uplift rather than tear down. Spread a little spiritual salt. Let's Stand up for the truth about Catholic morality. We can encourage people to speak to a priest about their questions and doubts. Don't be shy about speaking up about your own personal experience with our faith. You know, your personal testimony and story means a lot to people. So in several ways, we can add a little pinch of spiritual salt here and there and our conversations with others.
instead of useless chatter and insipid gossiping and complaining, our conversations with that little spiritual salt can have a good flavor and a positive effect on souls. Don't be afraid to tell people that you will pray for them or to say, God bless you. Merry Christmas. Blessed Easter. Don't be afraid to give those greetings to people. Perhaps you can even tactfully invite people to come with you to Mass or accompany someone tact or invite someone tactfully to come with you to church for confession or to make a prayerful visit to church once our dear churches are reopened. Perhaps you can also offer a little spiritual salt for someone by giving them a little birthday or a Christmas gift, which is a spiritual reminder of the Catholic faith. Give them a little statue or a little blessed sacramental. In these difficult times, dear friends, let's look for ways to promote a little spirituality with the people around us. In whichever way God inspires you, give a little spiritual salt. And when you say your morning prayer every day, think about how and where and when and with what people you can give a little spiritual salt. Be a witness to the divine truth in a world which is starving for good spiritual food. As Catholics, we must know our faith. We must always be reading and rereading a little bit of our catechism so that we can be ready to explain at least a little something of our faith in a simple way to the people we meet on the street. This means, again, revisiting our catechism, trying to find answers to the questions and even the doubts that might be on our mind. We must often do spiritual reading. But ultimately, we can read and read, and that's very good, but ultimately to find the right words, we must be people of prayer. Through daily prayer, God will give you that little wisdom, that little spiritual salt which is needed. So, pray, and that wisdom will be given to you in ways that you never thought possible. However, we must also be careful not to add too much salt all at once, because this can spoil the whole meal. Remember that one time? You might know that I'm not really a good cook, but as I was trying to cook once for my brethren, I put too much salt in, in the recipe and the whole meal was ruined. So do not follow my bad example. Don't put too much salt. Spiritually, we must be careful to add a little salt at a time, here and there. Don't give people too much. Don't hit them on the head. Just a little bit of spiritual salt goes a long way. And sometimes less is more. So just like when you cook in the kitchen and you add a little salt and you taste it, you add a little more salt and you taste it, so also be patient when you're talking with others. Watch for just the right opportunity to add a little pinch of spiritual salt. But salt alone does not make fine cuisine. 
What is a good meal without dessert? And I'm sure we have many sweet tooths out there. So, St. Francis de Sales, one of the patrons of our institute, he's a wonderful spiritual pastry chef. His motto for spiritual cuisine is cook the truth in charity until it tastes sweet. Perhaps you've heard that before. Cook the truth in charity until it tastes sweet. God's truth is for the good of humanity. God wants us to be holy so that we can be happy. But if we present the truth to others as something bitter and distasteful, well then, they will not want to eat, but they will go away in disgust and discouragement. However, with cheerfulness, with a smile, you can, little by little, win others over to the truth by attracting them to the goodness of that truth. Or at least, those other people will have more respect for you because you gave that little bit of encouragement and instruction in a kind, gentle way. In the end, charity is always victorious over a sour attitude. A truly charitable person is quick to lend a helping hand. Charity makes us courteous and polite, ready to go out of our way for the sake of others, to be generous in giving one's time, to offer sympathy and a listening ear to those who need it. Charitable people sometimes teach the truth of the gospel to our world in ways that no lesson or sermon ever could. Charity can be that spoonful of sugar which makes the medicine go down. But let us also not be too indulgent either. Too much sugar can spoil one's health and can ruin someone's appetite. We must sometimes mix a little salt in with the sugar. There are times when we must avoid human respect by courageously speaking up, speaking God's truth in word and action, remaining calmly firm in the face of criticism without giving in to the easy way out. So, just as we must not add too much salt, we must also be careful not to add too much sugar. It has to be a right balance in everything. So ask yourself at the end of each day, what kind of spiritual food did I cook up for my neighbor today? Did I add too much sugar or too much salt? Did I mix poisonous substances into the mix? In other words, did I say negative things? Did I act in a mean way? Here's a good question. Would I myself want to eat the meal which, through my words and actions, I offered to my neighbor today? Would I myself eat what I dish out to other people? Would I myself eat the words which I dish out to other people? Would I want to listen 
to what I said that day? Place yourself in the shoes of your neighbor and make a thorough examination of conscience. Let's remember that that famous saying, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. If we watch or read unhealthy things in today's media world, then we risk our spiritual health and perhaps the spiritual health of our family and our children. But if we are doing spiritual reading, if our time is given to prayer and spoonfuls of spirituality throughout the day, then you can be sure to have the necessary ingredients to find Catholic cuisine. A pinch of spiritual salt, a little spoonful of sugar. This makes for a fine recipe of charity and truth. So let's nourish our neighbor with the bread of good words and actions. This is our duty as members of the communion of saints. And finally, dear friends, no matter how good a cook or baker we might be in the kitchens of our homes, we know that it is even an even taller task to prepare the spiritual cuisine of charity, which we have been speaking about here today. That's why we need to ask our Blessed Mother, Mary Immaculate, to help us with her prayers each day. Our Blessed Mother is the perfect spiritual combination of Martha and her sister Mary, as the Gospels point out. The Holy Virgin contemplated the events of Jesus' life in her heart. As Mary took care of the, the needs and the nourishment of the Holy Family, Mary was following her son at a certain distance during his public ministry. Mary was praying there on the edge of the crowd. She was praying that the hearts and the minds of Jesus' listeners would be open to accept his preaching. Mary gathered the holy women with St. John at the foot of the cross. The Holy Virgin gathered together the apostles after our Lord's departure and his ascension. Mary made them persevere in prayer in the upper room while awaiting the coming of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost. The Blessed Virgin Mary is so active in advancing the mission of her son through the church because Mary is the very model of what our prayer life should be. So to imitate our Blessed Mother in your life, in order to have that perfect balance between Martha and Mary Magdalene, I recommend that you pray the Litany of Loretto each day, especially during this month of May. By praying the Litany of Loretto, you can be more mindful of Mary's virtues, and you can practice more of them better as you prayerfully invoke Our Lady's help. Each day, I would recommend that you pick a few invocations from the litany of Loretto as a little bouquet of spiritual flowers to accompany you that day. For example, Virgin Most Prudent. Mary will help you to make, with prudence, those difficult decisions. We also call Mary Virgin Most Merciful. 
Mary will help you to forgive when you have been hurt so many times. Virgin most faithful, Mary will help you to keep going when you feel like giving up. As the mirror of justice, Mary will help you to see yourself in a spiritual mirror. That is to see yourself as a child of God, to see yourself as a converted sinner whose true beauty is spiritually in your soul, the beauty of virtue. We also call Mary in the Litany of Loretto the causa nostra Letitiae, the cause of our joy. If you give time and attention to Mary, Mary will be the friend who will bring you more joy to your heart than any other. And then you will be able to spiritually to communicate this joy to those around you by your smile and by your gentle manner of doing good. So pray to Mary each day in the Litany of Loretto as the cause of our joy. Mary is also the Tower of Ivory. With Mary, you will be a strong tower, a spiritual tower to resist the spiritual attacks of the demons who try to infiltrate your family life and to rob you of your peace of soul. Think of Mary as the comforter of the afflicted. Mary will be your friend to help you understand how God allows bad things to happen to good people so that these good people can be spiritually, they can become better and they can serve a higher purpose which will edify souls and bring them closer to heaven. So, dear friends, I recommend pray the Litany of Loretto each day during this month of May and think about which virtue you have to work on and which virtue can you pray to Mary asking her to help you to learn and to school you in that virtue. That Litany, it's a wonderful examination of conscience. It's a good way to check up on how you are making or not making the spiritual progress which God expects you to make, that spiritual progress which those around you need you to make for their spiritual good. Ask Mary again and again throughout this litany each day to grant you the grace of practicing those virtues which you don't have yet in good measure. And you will see if you are humble and you persevere in the prayer, you will see that by trying to imitate the virtues of our Blessed Mother in this litany, you will gradually learn to be a little like Martha and a lot like Magdalene. During this month of May especially, let's make a good resolution for the love of our Mother. Let us persevere in prayer with humility. Let us not be discouraged, but let us prayerfully kneel at the feet of Jesus each day, like Magdalene. Let's nourish our neighbor with good words and example in this world. And then we will forever enjoy the heavenly banquet in the life of the world to come, where we shall forever rejoice in the blessed company of those holy sisters, Martha and Mary Magdalene, where we will have the joy to be with Mary 
Our Lady, the Blessed Mother, to be with Mary for all eternity, to the glory of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Mother Mary, we come to you now asking you for all the intentions, asking you for all the virtues of which we stand in need as we pray the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought the intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Virgin most prudent, pray for us. Virgin most merciful, pray for us. Virgin most faithful, pray for us. Mirror of justice, pray for us. Cause of our joy, pray for us. Tower of ivory, pray for us. Comforter of the afflicted, pray for us. Queen of families, pray for us. Queen of peace, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Dear friends, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us here today. And now, uh, if you might have any questions, uh, any particular uh, thoughts in mind, um, the Litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary um, dates back to uh, many centuries. Um, and over the years, uh, popes would add in various invocations to this litany. Um, so the litany um, would uh, uh, became longer and longer in time as more titles were added to our Blessed Mother. You can find the litany of Loretto, the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, in many missals and prayer books. I can find it online. It's very easily accessible. And I encourage you maybe to, uh, to print it out maybe in small form, maybe cut it out and put it in a place where you're going to see it every day. Put it in your little spiritual corner, uh, maybe tape it to the mirror in your bathroom there, or put it above the sink, or put it on your desk. Put the litany in a place where you can find it. Or maybe write down your favorite invocations from the litany and um, put them on little index cards, put them somewhere, um, maybe put them on your dashboard or your car to help you to avoid road rage, uh, wherever you could do. Um, really make that litany um, a tool in your spiritual lives. You can become more like Mary. You can grow to be more beautiful like Mary. You can imitate her spiritual beauty of her virtue. And be reminded that, you know, it's not just, um, it's not just you on your own, but it's Mary who's your, your mother and your friend guiding you and helping you as a woman. She knows your burdens. She knows what you're going through. She's a mother. Um, and she can help you in so many ways if you think of her, if you pray to her, if you try to imitate her. So um, I encourage you to use the litany as a good tool for all of that. So if there's any other questions, um, have them being handed to me here. What is a virtue? What is a virtue? So a virtue is a spiritual power, a spiritual power to do good. Spiritual power to do good. Um, that means that um, we perform a good action, a good action which brings us closer to heaven, which is our final end. 
And, you know, we can do a good action. We can do a good um, act of charity for someone. We can say a prayer. We can, we can be patient. We can be courageous. We can be strong. Uh, we can be merciful. We can practice virtues every day, right? But a virtue is also really a pious habit. It's not really a virtue until we do it again and again and again. Because, you know, we have a tough human nature, right? Um, it's kind of like if you have a big, thick piece of paper and you want to fold that piece of paper. Well, you fold it, but then it goes back the other way. And you try to fold it again, and it goes back the other way. You got to keep folding it and try to, like, crease it, right? So the paper really stays folded. Um, and, and that's really what it's like for us. It's not enough just to do one isolated good deed. It has to become a virtue. It has to become a pious habit. And ultimately, it gives us a spiritual power to overcome the negative and the bad things of life and to do good and to radiate um, peace and goodness, all the fruits of the virtues. Um, so remember that, that virtue is not a weakness. Actually, virtue is a spiritual power that brings um, happiness and goodness to people around us. So do we have any other questions here that have been presented to us? Why do Christ tell Mary Magdalene, do not touch me? Yes. That's a very good question that goes back to the fathers of the church. The fathers of the church, which give some commentary, such as, for example, St. Augustine. Um, one thing... Um, I could say without going into too much detail is that when our Lord appears to Mary Magdalene and to the apostles as well after his resurrection, he appears to them in a way which is somewhat similar as how they knew him, but also somewhat different. So our Lord appears to them, he's doing things with them like he did before. He's eating with them, for example. He's eating with them. He's, he, he's, he's near them. Um, they're able to touch him. Right, like St. Thomas, at, he was invited to touch our Lord. However, sometimes our Lord appears to them also in different ways. For example, he didn't, um, you know, he wasn't, uh, he didn't come out to the boat when the apostles were in the boat there at the end of St. John's Gospel, but he waited for them on the shore. He waited for them to come to him. He didn't come out to them across the water. He didn't, he wasn't sleeping with them in the boat. He was on the shore for example. So our Lord is telling St. Mary Magdalene, do not touch me because um, he is, he is um, not truly exactly like how he was before, exactly, in the sense that um, he was getting her used to the fact that um, uh, he was soon to leave at his ascension and soon he would be separated. He would be separated from her he, and she would no longer be able to see him physically. And so he was kind of preparing her spiritualist, a divine pedagogy, preparing her for that day when he would no longer be visible after his ascension. So Mary Magdalene could not have Jesus on her own terms, as we could say. So in other words, she had to conform to what God the Father's plan was for him. I am not yet ascended to the Father, he said. So Mary had to say that she could not have Jesus as she wanted him, but she had to conform to what um, Jesus, what the plan of the Father was for Jesus at that moment. So Jesus is schooling her there, is teaching her. Um, and that's one reason why he told Mary Magdalene, do not touch me. 
and the fathers of the church of St. Augustine speak more about this. How to grow in holiness in a mundane world? Well, quite frankly, um, I would say it really begins with prayer. Um, if you don't pray, you can't get to heaven. It's as simple as that. Our body, we need to eat, we need to drink, we need to sleep, right? Our body needs things without which we will die. We will suffocate. We will starve. We will die of thirst. Well, our soul needs prayer. If we don't pray, our soul suffocates. Our soul starves. And then we get overwhelmed, and then we become crabby, we become angry, we become difficult with people around us, and all of that. Um, so it really begins with prayer. Prayer is essential. And if maybe you don't like to pray, or you don't know how to pray, well then, we need to begin very simply with some good spiritual reading. Just a little bit. You don't have to be a big reader. Do a little bit of spiritual reading. Put some, some food for thought. Put something into your mind. Something your mind can chew on. You know, our minds have an appetite. Our minds have an appetite, right? So often our minds, we're curious about the news and we're curious about all these things in the world. Um, we have to put good food into the appetite of our mind. Good tooth. Uh, good food into the teeth of our brain. And so we need to do a little bit of spiritual reading. A little bit of spiritual reading, good food for thought. The more we come to know about God, know more about Mary, know more about the saints, then the more we want to pray. We want to talk to them. We want to talk about the beautiful things we've read and have that conversation of prayer. And so if we pray, then little by little, we will, um, we, will be, we will step out of the mundane world. We won't be conditioned by the secular society around us. We'll be able to see things more as God sees them. We'll be able to discern things better in life, to read between the lines, to understand what is really valuable and what's a waste of time, and what is really going to be helpful for us, um, and what is actually going to lead us astray. Prayer gives you a wisdom gives you a knowledge, it gives you, um, gives you strength as well to separate yourselves from the things of this world which you need to be separated from because they will have negative effects on you, and prayer will help you to rise up, look at things more from God's perspective, um, and it will give you that joy, that peace that this world cannot give. So prayer is the first step to, and it's the essential, indispensable step for holiness in this mundane world. Any other questions that have been sent to us? Book recommendations for St. Francis de Sales, St. Thomas Aquinas for our times. Yes. Well, St. Francis de Sales wrote especially for lay people. He wrote a lot of letters of spiritual direction to lay women in the world. Women who uh, were mothers, women who were um, uh, living on their own or discerning a vocation, women of all different walks of life. And I would encourage you to read those letters of spiritual direction. It's almost spiritually uncanny how those letters sometimes read like they were written just for us, even though they were written for a woman centuries ago in some far part of the world who didn't even speak our language, yet those letters really read as if they're written for us because St. Francis de Sales, as a man of prayer, had a great spiritual insight into human nature. So I recommend... Um, compilations of his letters of spiritual direction for people. Compilations you can find like 
thy will be done. Letters to persons in the world. Uh, thy will be done. Or the art of loving God. Or finding God's will for you. Or um, roses among thorns. There's also a book called The Sign of the Cross, a little treatise that St. Francis de Sales wrote um, about the Holy Cross. Um, there's also a great book that gets hard to find now, but it's called Sermon in a Sentence. Sermon in a Sentence. Uh, quotes from St. Francis de Sales, and actually from St. Thomas Aquinas as well, in a separate volume. Um, just little quotes that are divided up according to the mysteries of the Rosary. Just like, for example, the third joyful mystery is the nativity of our Lord, and we focus in that mystery on um, detachment from material things of this world. And then it gives you those quotes from St. Francis de Sales, which focus on that detachment and helps you to focus more on your life, how you can be more uh, detached, and how you can thus think more about um, that mystery of the rosary through that spiritual lens. So, Sermon in a Sentence, it's a great book if you can find it. Um, really recommend it. Uh, there's, um, of course, Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. It's a great handbook. And let's not just say, well, you know, I read that already, and so I need something else. Uh-uh. Spiritual life, again, is pious repetition, like virtue. We said virtue is pious repetition, a pious habit. Spiritual life, a lot of it is having the humility to go back and to read and reread and reread things again and again because we'll discover things we missed the first time or things that we read before will mean something new to us now given our current circumstances which might have changed since the last time we read that. So don't be afraid to simply pick up um, Introduction to, to the Devout Life, that spiritual handbook, and read and reread it. Uh, with St. Thomas, there's a great uh, a book, uh, for, uh, a little more in-depth, called um, The Aquinas Catechism. The Aquinas Catechism, which is very good. There's some books by Dr. Kevin Vost um, on the virtues. He looks through the virtues as St. Thomas Aquinas explains them and what they mean, uh, like the virtue of fortitude, for example, um, how it's not, just simply, um, it's not just simply some kind of brute strength, um, you know, there's a lot of different virtues to fortitude. Actually, patience. Patience um, is a type of, uh, of fortitude. Um, so, Dr. Kevin Vost, V-O-S-T, in his books um, on virtues with Aquinas, gives some great insight there. Um, that's a good, uh, good place to start. The Aquinas Catechism is also good to read. The Aquinas Catechism, uh, which you can find. So, another question. Any other good Catholic books? Um, yes, I mean, there's so much good good spiritual reading out there. Um, uh, I would begin with St. Francis de Sales, as I mentioned. Uh, St. Thomas is, is wonderful. Um, and you have, again, authors like Dr. Kevin Vos that make um, understanding some parts of Aquinas very simple and apply it to our, our daily lives. Uh, that's, uh, that's very good. Also recommend... Um, the Liturgical Year by Dom Garanger. Dom uh, Prosper Garanger was a Benedictine abbot in the mid-1800s um, into the late later 19th century, and he um, wrote about the liturgical year. The prayer, par excellence, the prayer with a capital P, is the divine liturgy. The liturgy and the two lungs of the liturgy, which are Mass and the divine office. And um, here with the Institute, 
um, in DeSalle Studios, we've been bringing you not only Holy Mass, but also a Vespers and Compline, um, Lauds in the morning, parts of the Divine Office. And so to really understand the liturgical year, what the feast days mean for us, I encourage you to read Don Garanger's uh, The Liturgical Year. Garanger, G-U-E-R-A-N-G-E-R. Again, G-U-E-R-A-N-G-E-R. Garanger's Liturgical Year. That's a, a fantastic book. It's also good, a book on the liturgy, The Latin Mass Explained by Monsignor George Mormon. Latin Mass Explained, Monsignor George Mormon. Again, how we can prayerfully um, uh, look at the Mass and learn more about the Mass and make our participation in the Mass more prayerful. Um, even now, while we have to be uh, behind a screen, so that when we come back to Mass and to church, uh, we'll appreciate the Mass all the more because we will have learned and invested time and energy learning more about it. If you really want something more in-depth about the Mass, um, something with some really meat to it about spiritual commentary on what the Mass means and the gestures and the spirituality of the Mass, I recommend uh, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass uh, liturgically um, explained um, by Father Nicholas Gear, G-I-H-R, Father Nicholas Gear, G-I-H-R, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, um, dogmatically, liturgically, and ascetically explained. Excellent. You can find it even online. Um, another book you can find online if you look about St. Francis de Sales, um, going back to that, is The Spirit of St. Francis de Sales. The Spirit of St. Francis de Sales, written by uh, Jean-Pierre uh, Camus, uh, C-A-M-U-S, by Jean-Pierre Camus, as we would say in good old American English by Bishop Jean-Pierre Camus, The Spirit of St. Francis de Sales. Fantastic book. Short chapters written by a bishop friend who knew St. Francis de Sales, who looked up to him, and who tells a lot of stories about our saint, and a lot of his sayings, and things that he would, um, he would say to people, and what he would do. And, um, really neat book, The Spirit of St. Francis de Sales. Wonderful. Makes the saint come alive. So The Spirit of St. Francis de Sales, check it out. Great read by an eyewitness. Best ways to practice detachment from an inordinate. What is the best way to practice detachment from inordinate desires and attachments? Well, I would say first of all, um, we're really looking to practice temperance, right? Detachment from things around us. We're trying to practice the virtue of temperance, which is good measure. Good measure, right? Virtue is really finding a good measure, right? Too much salt. And too little salt, too much sugar, too little sugar. We've we got to find the right balance. So that's what the virtue of temperance is all about, finding the right balance. And for that, I would begin by understanding um, what are the superfluous things in life, right? What do we, we really need to get by? What do we really need to get by? And what is really superfluous? What is too much? What can we do without, right? What can we do without? Um, and sometimes those things will be imposed upon us by difficult circumstances out there, right? Sometimes we, you know, look at this whole, um, you know, isolation because of this health crisis. This is imposed on us. And so all these things are imposed upon us. And so we're not always able to have the things that we like, so that we can enjoy. We don't have access to them. And so, well, let's accept those things in a spirit of detachment. And say, Lord, I'm really hurting because I missed this or I missed that, but 
I offer this thing up to you. Um, help me to, um, to be united to you um, nonetheless. So really um, accept the fact that uh, I can't always have what I would want. And then um, secondly, yeah, what are the superfluous things in my life um, and how can I, um, how can I offer those things up? Even if I, um, uh, you know, how can I simply offer those things up for a particular prayer intention? Um, so sometimes the reason God doesn't answer our prayers is because, one reason, is because uh, we're not sacrificing, right? We're too attached to the things of this world, so we're too attached to our own way of thinking and our own plans, our own agenda, the way we want it. And so we have to make a sacrifice, you know, offer up a little something and say, Lord, um, I offer this up to you uh, along with my prayer intention for this particular grace or gift, if, su if such be thy holy will. So uh, that's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing to offer up a sacrifice, detach ourselves from something in order to accept God's will and to ask for a particular grace or blessing. Um, and um, ultimately, we have to think of the nativity. Our Lord was detached, right, being born in the manger, um, in the stable of Bethlehem, in the poorest surroundings, and he died. He died naked upon the cross. He had nothing. He was completely detached. So go to our Lord, go before the crucifix, go before the manger scene, and ask our Lord for that detachment that you need in your life. Ask for it. Ask for what you don't have. Ask for what you don't have. Ask for those graces. And little by little, when you ask for what you don't have, and you try to accomplish good things, then God will grant you those virtues and those gifts, those graces that you need, including that detachment. How do we sin against Mary? She is not God. That's right. That's right. God is God, and Mary is a creature. Mary is a creature. But yet God has deigned in his goodness to, reply, uh, to fulfill a need we have in our human nature, we need mothers, right? We need mothers in our physical life, and so Mary is also a spiritual mother to us. And so she, she is associated with her son Jesus. She is associated with God's plan as God's creature and subordinate to him, but, but Mary is also um, there to help us in our spiritual life. Um, and so uh, we would not um, want to... Um, we would not want to do without that pedagogy with which Mary can bring. She is a spiritual um, role model for us. And so we, um, when we sin, we sin against God. We sin against God. Now, of course, Mary is also displeased by our sins, right? Because she wants to see us holy. She wants to see us in heaven. She knows how much sin dis displeases God. She knows that is more, much more acutely aware of that than we are. And so... That's why um, um, our sins displease her. Um, but we know that she's a mother of mercy, and she can bring us back. She can help us on our journey back to God. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when I was a kid and I misbehaved myself and Dad was really mad at me. Well, my parents would both be mad at me, actually. Well, I would go to my mom. My mom would help me. She would come for me. She saw that I, I meant well and so on. And she would intercede with my dad a little bit and make, make my dad, you know, kind of um, calm down. Well, Mary intercedes with us. She's a go-between, in a sense. 
sometimes with, uh, with God. She's a mother of mercy in that way for us. So um, we all need help. And let's have the humility to accept that help that God gives us in our lives, in our spiritual lives. Just as we have families, we have families on earth, we have mothers, we have godmothers, we have aunts. Well, we have Mary in our spiritual life. And uh, that's a powerful means that God has given us to bring us closer to himself. What option of sacramental... Oh, what options of sacramental communion is not possible? Well, if sacramental communion is not possible for you during this time, then um, I really recommend a spiritual communion. And do not underestimate the power of a spiritual communion. Of course, it's not a perfect substitute by, by no means, I understand, I know. But a spiritual communion well made prepares your soul well to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion later in the future. Spiritual communion really is, is two things. It's a desire for our Lord, a desire, a yearning, a longing for Him. It's a, a hunger for our Lord, a hunger to be united with Him. We want to be united with God, right? And sacramental communion is a powerful way to be united with our Lord. But even spiritual communion, we can still be united to our Lord. And so we are desiring union with God. That's the goal. That's the goal. Holy Communion, even itself, in the Holy Eucharist, it's not an end in itself, but it's union with God. Union with God. That's the goal. That's the end. That's, the, that, that's really um, what we're aiming for. And so, a spiritual communion means that we yearn for God, we desire union with God, and we embrace our Lord, a loving embrace with our Lord, as if He was really and truly sacramentally present within us. So, um, spiritual communion is, is very powerful, but it depends on our faith. You have to have great faith, great humility. Ask Mary for the help you need to make a good spiritual communion. Ask your guardian angel as an angel. Your angel can inspire um, certain um, thoughts into your imagination, certain good images, for example. Your angel can also, by angelic prayer, obtain few um, more grace you need in order to make a good spiritual communion. So, um, I really recommend that. And um, also, um, during this time, maybe offer up a little, uh, I'm a little grace, uh, I'm, I'm offer up a little penance for you, uh, that you have to do. I'm a little sacrifice, a little deprivation. Just say, Lord, I offer up this sacrifice for you so that um, you would um, deign to um, hasten the day when I can come back to church and receive you sacramentally in Holy Communion. How can we look up to Mary as an example to follow if she is the Immaculate Conception? Doesn't being conceived without sin make it impossible for us poor sinners to imitate Mary? That's beautiful. That's a, that's a very good question. It's a very good question. So, um, we are all little children. We're all little children. Those little children, you know, we learn by imitating our parents, right? So a little child can imitate his or her mother by um, learning to color, for example. Um, when I was a boy, I could never color like mom. Mom always colored so well. She could cover perfectly in the lines, and my wasn't a great artist, so my coloring was all over the page. But I tried to be more like, like mom. I tried to listen to what mom was telling me. I tried to 
hold the crayons like she did. I tried to imitate her strokes. Um, so my picture was not as beautiful as hers, but in the end, it was a lot beautiful than it would have been if she wasn't there. So um, simply uh, try to imitate Mary. Um, look at her. Uh, look at look at her example of her virtues. Um, and and also when you pray your rosary, ask Mary for the help you need to practice those same virtues, but practice them in the way which is proper to you. Practice them in a way which is proper to you. You know. We are not going to be perfect in this life. Jesus told us, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. So we have to try, strive for the ideal of that perfection, but we will never fully get there. We have to be resigned to that fact. Otherwise, we will become perfectionist. And perfectionist people never accomplish things really well in the end. They actually do things worse, and they upset everybody and themselves in the process. So let's not be perfectionist in even in looking at Mary. Let's rather say, let me try to imitate something of Mary in my life, something of her goodness, something of her patience, and pray to Mary and say, Mary, help me to be a little patient like you were. Help me to have a few ounces of your patience. Um, so simply um, just see yourself as a child. And the child is not upset because it's not perfectly like the mother. Um, the child ultimately understands that, well, you know, the child remains a child. So, but still the child um, sees its progress. The child is happy in, in its progress uh, that it becomes a little bit more like the mother. And so let's be humble and let's simply do the best we can to imitate Mary. It's the work of a lifetime. It will never be perfect. But let's also see that that's very pleasing to Mary. You know, for you, uh, you moms, you aunts, you teachers out there, um, you know, when you see a, a little child come to you, perhaps on Mother's Day, for example, and you see that the child made you a little art craft. Well, the art craft is not, it's not Michelangelo, okay? It's not some kind of great, great work of art. But you saw the child really tried. And even though the child, you know, didn't cut so straight or didn't color in the lines, still, or maybe it's hard to really make out the picture that, that the little child made for you, still, as a mother, you're very pleased. You're very pleased to see that the child really tried. And the child offered this up with all the innocence and the love and the simplicity of the child's heart. And so Mary is like that with us. She's happy with our efforts. And she's really, um, she's, uh, her mother's heart is, uh, is overjoyed to see, uh, to see our little efforts. So um, she's pleased with us. So let's keep, let's keep doing what we can to imitate her, knowing that she's pleased with us. And of course, Jesus is very pleased with us too. When Jesus sees how we honor his mother, how we try to imitate her, all of that, that really rejoices his sacred heart, right? Because Jesus loves his mother so much and he takes a special pride and love um, and satisfaction in the fact that we uh, can, um, uh, that we, we, we love his mother and we try to imitate her. So by doing what we can to imitate Mary, we bring joy to Jesus. It's the statue behind you. Um, the last. This is the last question. Okay, so this is a statue of Christ, the infant king. Right. We love the the infant king uh, to portray Christ as king in the institute because it well explains our spirituality, uh, our motto that we strive uh, to live and we rely upon your prayers and, and your help in order to try to live this ideal um, is to live the truth in charity. 
live the truth in charity. God's truth is lovable for us. God wants to attract our souls uh, uh, to love him and to serve him. And he does that by becoming a little child to show how his truth is good for us, how holiness makes us happy, like a little child. And so um, we look to the infant Jesus um, as embodying our spirituality in the Institute of Christ the King. This little statue was made uh, in Europe. Uh, it was made uh, in, uh, in Austria and some components um, in Germany and Northern Italy as well. Um, and um, ultimately, uh, we made as a little model that we hope one day we can make more model statues like this one in a similar way and, and, and make them more available to people far and wide so that we can spread the spirituality of the Institute um, through spreading devotion to, uh, to Christ the Infant King. So that's a little uh, prototype, um, if you like, uh, the statue that's uh, right over my shoulder, a prototype that embodies our spirituality. So I want to thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank you for your patience as we try to work through these uh, various technical issues. We're learning as we go. Um, and um, at the same time, I just have to tell you, it's a little odd speaking into a camera like this. We used to speak into a room full of people uh, for such conferences or to a church full of people. Um, and so um, thank you for bearing with me as well. Um, and uh, know that we're all praying for you. All the canons and the oblates in the Institute, our, our seminary candidates, our oblate candidates, our sisters as well. Our sisters, we are all together, one spiritual family praying for all of your needs. And so I hope you will have a very blessed uh, month of May, a month of Mary. Um, know that Monday uh, is the 4th of May, the Feast of St. Monica. St. Monica, the patron saint of, of mothers. Um, so pray to St. Monica, you who are mothers. Um, and you who are children, or godchildren, pray for your, your mothers as well on the Feast of St. Monica. And then, of course, Mother's Day coming up um, on Sunday, uh, May the 10th. So pray in a special way uh, for moms. Moms, thank you for all you do. We're so very grateful. Uh, where would we be without you? And so I know that uh, we're encouraging you, we're cheering you on. Uh, we know that you're bearing with a lot of the burdens right now in this very difficult time. But we pray that with Mary we'll become spiritually stronger somehow through all of this. Um, and that with Mary um, we'll be able to um, ultimately um, earn our heavenly reward um, even in such trying times as this. So um, we're praying for all of you, dear friends. God bless you and look forward to seeing you and being with you again. Take care and have a blessed day.